getting that just right temperature or getting an energy efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com slash rebates. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino style games to choose from, you too could win life changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You're listening to the Huddle Up Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle and 24-7 Sports, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, is my partner in crime. You know him and love him. Is your Denver Broncos reporter for 24-7 Sports. He is Zach Kelberman. Zach, we are inching ever closer to the start of training camp, and from what it sounds like, Demarcus Walker is taking his third pro training camp with the utmost seriousness, packing on weight, you know, getting up to where he needs to be to fit into Vic Fangio's scheme. Yeah, I mean, he gave a recent interview where he said he feels great and he's stronger and heavier than he was and he's holding his own, getting better. And you can just tell the confidence is night and day from last year. And you can tell the number that the previous coaching staff did on Demarcus Walker with that ill-fated move from defensive end to outside linebacker. It just it torpedoed his confidence and it torpedoed his progression and his development. And he's finally getting back on the right track right now. He's working under a competent head coach in Vic Fangio who's using him at the right spot and who's challenging the this offseason to get better mentally, and he's responded well. So, uh, Chad, you and I are bigger Walker fans, I think, than most people, and we have to be happy about what he's you know, at least saying here at this point in time. He knows he has a lot to prove and a lot of people to hop over on the depth chart to see playing time, but this is a good first step for him after a wasted uh, first two seasons. My biggest thing with, with Walker is it's still, I don't know, it, it kind of, I wouldn't say it irritates me. It's a cause for concern that he that there's a correlation between maturity and a sense of entitlement buzz that we hear about from him from the Broncos locker room and the fact that his Twitter handle is livinglegend44. Like, I I wonder at some point, is he going to recognize that as a second-round pick, it might not have all been his fault, but he's fallen well short of the mark and expectations that at least the outside world has set for him as being a second-round, you know, draft pedigree. I can't imagine the team is pleased with the progress he's made in two full seasons with the club. But again, it hasn't 100% been his all on him. You know, that, that rookie year he was, he got sick and then due to some shakeups on the death chart after Shane Ray got hurt with that wrist in 2017, they played him at outside linebacker, saw zero reps in uh, the regular season. By the time they realized the error of their ways and put him back on the, on the D line, 
the season's pretty much over, and he's not up to weight. He can't contend with offensive linemen. And then fast forward to 2018, you think, okay, now's the time, dude. Now's the time. You're, you know what to expect going into camp. You're playing D-line. You're not playing edge. You're playing D-line. And once again, he kind of falls short. So hopefully this time, though, he recognizes there's a new coach. This isn't the coach that drafted him. And he can maybe even get excited, Zach, because this is a scheme that he, on the surface, appears to fit a lot better than playing the the four tech five tech in a three four. Yeah, in terms of his mental um, sense of entitlement, I, I I'm not trying to excuse him at all. I mean, he owns some of this responsibility for his lack of production, but it's natural. I mean, he was a star at FSU. He had the production, he had the draft pedigree, and he came into a, a very good defense and a very good defensive system. And he expected to be a big fish here, and it hasn't worked out to this point. I don't see though how the last couple of years is is solely on him or even any on him with the way he was handled by this previous coaching staff, just using him completely out of place and not where he shines best along the defensive line. Every time he was played at the right spot last year and the little amount he played, he was always around the football making plays, getting sacked, making tackles. He has ability. He has game. And the Broncos can use him. They still need that interior disruptor, a guy to uh, take up blockers, allow Von Miller, Bradley Chubb to feast. They have uh, Draymond Jones. He's competing with Shelby Harris, but he's in there too. So to see him at least make that mental progression, which uh, Fanjo even remarked on, I mean, I'm hopeful for him they can at least salvage something. He may, he may not ever pan out as, as a second-round pick and be a full-time starter, but if they can get a, a third-down pass rusher and they can salvage something with Vic Fangio, I think it's worth it. Yeah, and that is worth something in today's NFL. If you can, Maybe you're not playing on first and second down, but if you can come in as a third-down pass rusher, as a defensive lineman, and help create havoc, push the pocket, penetrate, and allow – maybe you don't always get home. Maybe you're not the guy that cleans up the sacks, but you're allowing guys like Von Miller, Bradley Chubb to feast in those passing situations. There's value there, and coaches will love you. But I think first and foremost, you know, it's it's good that he's showing the commitment to his craft, that he's getting his body ready to go for this, you know, scheme fit and for this camp. Now I just want to see the mentality. I want to see the – you know, embracing the opportunity, so to speak, in just a work ethic. If he can put those things in place, as we've talked about, I mean, I understand all the criticism from a from a football perspective, from a scouting perspective on on Demarcus Walker. But what I will say is that he simply go back and watch his college tape. It's not perfect, but go back and watch his college tape, and go back and watch all the reps he's had in the preseason and his few regular season reps. The dude just simply has an uncanny knack and a nose for being close to the action, being around the ball. And maybe not quite saying more often than not, but often it results in him making some kind of an impact play. Yep. Yeah, and that's always going to be useful. Even if you don't get a sack, you know, pressure is production in this defense, and Fangio will find a use for that. I will say that the pendulum does swing both ways, though. Whereas Fangio didn't draft him and he has a chance to salvage him, he also has no loyalty to him either. And John Elway has proven he has no problem cutting higher on draft picks in recent years. So this is definitely a do-or-die season for Demarcus Walker. It's crap or get off the pot time. He has to at least show he can get on the field in consecutive weeks, let alone you know push for a starting spot. But I'm at least confident that if he puts his mental ability with his physical talent, they can ha- they have a player in him for sure. It's going to be great to see how it shakes out. And again, we're just we're less than two weeks. I mean, on Thursday, I think it's going to be one week away from training camp kicking off. So we're getting closer. We're going to see how it shakes out with Demarcus Walker. Now, today, what we're going to do is we're going to go through and analyze the ten 
biggest roster battles that could shape and determine the fate of the Broncos 2019 season. We're going to get to that here in just a second. First, though, make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod, because it's the best way for you to keep your finger on the pulse of what's happening with the show in real time. Don't forget to leave your creative review if you're on iTunes. We really appreciate that. And if you're on YouTube, keep doing what you're doing. Like, comment, share those videos out that, of course, are the podcast. Getting that just right temperature or getting an energy-efficient appliance. It's not only about making smart changes today. It's about creating brighter tomorrows with simple steps to save energy. Plus, you'll help protect the environment for years to come. A better world for you, your family, and your community. Get started with rebates and discover what energy-efficient choices can help you power what's next at AlliantEnergy.com rebates. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Appreciate it. All right, Zach. So over the 4th of July holiday weekend, because we are sick maniacs and we do this for a living, (laughs) I took some time to write up and kind of preview what I see as the 10 biggest camp battles of the summer. And maybe it's a slight exercise in hyperbole to say that they could decide the fate of the Broncos 2019 season. But I think there's an argument that you could make there, especially with about three of these, okay? We'll start with the biggest one, backup quarterback. Now, we know Joe Flacco obviously is going to be the guy heading into this season. He's There's no question there. Who's going to be his backup should something happen? Now, everything I read, this was on, of course, being a Broncos analyst in in Denver media. From the outside, that Baltimore situation last year, I thought, I had thought that Flacco, when he suffered that hip injury, Zach, that it only cost him one game. And that, you know, he after one missed start, he could have got his job back. However, looking at some of the things the Broncos have sent me, I'm looking at his uh, at their uh, media guide. They claim that he that that hip injury actually cost him four weeks in in 2018. So the only reason I bring that up is that's a quarter of the season, and he's he's getting up there in age. He's in his mid 30s. So if something were to happen, there's a, a maybe not a probability, but there's a higher than normal you know, probability that it could happen. You, the Broncos have to have something viable. And that's why the backup quarterback situation becomes paramount. Now, we know that heading into the Hall of Fame game, it's going to be Kevin Hogan getting the start. We talked about that on yesterday's show. Then we have Drew Locke. Then we have Brett Rippon. Those three are going to throw down for the backup job. You know, the early favorite, obviously, Zach, is Drew Locke. But this is the one I think that could have the biggest impact on the season depending on whether or not Joe Flacco can stay healthy. 
Well, it, it's certainly going to grab the most headlines. And if not for that hip injury last year, Chad, I think the Broncos would be more confident going into the season with, with Drew Locke and his inexperience as the main backup. But um, that injury and coupled with the, the lack of, of um, you know, mental progression right now for Drew Locke and Brett Rippon both, they have to have an experienced guy behind him. And that's the only reason Kevin Hogan still has a job. And it's the only reason he's going to start the Hall of Fame game, uh, at least to get a, a, a half or two before giving way to Locke and Rippon. But it's going to dominate the headlines for sure. And and I, you and I are both pulling for Drew Locke, and we both say that when his brain catches up to his arm, it'll be no no question about it. And we both foresee Hogan being left off the roster when it's finalized in September. But as we said on yesterday's pod, we're not we can't discount Hogan just yet either. Maybe they found something in him. Maybe they're confident in the way that he developed under Scangarello to this point. Maybe they're really taking their time with Locke and Rippon. We don't know, but I, I do agree that it could shape the narrative for the Broncos in the future, who they gonna, they're going to have behind Joe Flacco, who's going to really be the long-term backup. Is If, if Brett Rippon leapfrogs Locke, and if Rippon versus Hogan, that's not a good look for Locke at all, your second-round pick. So there's different scenarios here, different outcomes that I want to keep an eye on as the summer progresses. And what we do know, I mean, if history can be any indication, precedent, tradition, when the guy, right, the, the starter goes down at any point in the season, more often than not, that team's year kind of goes off the rails. You know, there are a few exceptions to that rule. Look no further back, though, as it relates to the Broncos, than the 06 season in which Jake Plummer led the Broncos. to. Off the top of my head, I think it was either 7-4, and 7-5 and five record. And he was eventually supplanted, though. Mike Shanahan made the fateful decision to supplant him with the shiny new first-round pick in Jay Cutler, and the Broncos just, they they couldn't maintain the level they were on. They ended up losing. I know they lost their last three games and ended up missing the playoffs, and that was the end of the, the Jake Plummer era in Denver. Now, at the same time, as I'm talking about this, Zach, I'm thinking back to 2011 when Kyle Orton started that season for the Broncos as the starter. Five games in, though, he wasn't cutting the mustard. They went with Tim Tebow, and the rest is history. So that's one of those rare exceptions. More often than not, though, if the starter goes down, it kind of dooms your team season. Yeah, I mean, no matter if it's Locke or, or, or Hogan or Rippon as the backup, if Flacco suffers a season-ending injury, the Broncos' season is pretty much over. I mean, that's they're really he's the difference between eight and eight and ten and six this season, Flacco. So yeah, it, it's just a battle of the future. I would say twenty twenty and beyond. How far Locke can come this year? How far Rippon can come? And whether or not they have anything in Hogan, I, I do want to see what he can bring to the table. Next one here I've got as far as roster battles to preview. The most important is the starting running back position. Now, I think that the Broncos should not tempt fate. And as soon as Phillip Lindsay is cleared 100% by the, the team medical staff, he should be installed as the starting running back. And then let the chips fall. You know, let him compete with Royce Freeman and allow that competition to take shape. Phillip Lindsay has to justify being the starter, but... I don't necessarily think that he should have to, you know, go back in an open competition per se and have to re-earn that job because he was just such a star. He was one of, I would argue, Zach, he's one of three star players currently on the Broncos roster, which would include him, Von Miller, and Chris Harris. Now, there's a bunch of fringe guys that have the potential this year to be included in that conversation, like, you know, Bradley Chubb. Cortland Sutton. There's a few other guys on the roster, but I think Philip Lindsay is one of the bona fide stars, and as such, as an incumbent Pro Bowl player, he should get that 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 first swing at the plate, so to speak, and have to justify it, of course, through his play in training camp and preseason. But you you got to believe he's going to do that, 
Either way, though, Zach, this is going to be a fight. Royce Freeman is highly motivated after the way his season kind of tapered off with that injury and then seeing Lindsey, you know, just rocket into the stratosphere. I'm really looking forward to this one. Yeah, I'm with you here. You you cannot sit a talent like Philip Lindsay. The only thing he has to prove, in my opinion, is if he's over his injury and his wrist is up to strength and he can carry the ball like normal and this and that. He'll have no problem learning the playbook. He'll have no problem, obviously, being a team player and fighting to earn his keep. He's talked about it already. He's not going to rest on his laurels. Uh, he's an, a pro bowler, like you said, Chad. He's an historic pro bowler at that. He's a spark plug. He's the centerpiece of this offense, as far as I'm concerned, and you cannot sit that. As good as Royce Freeman is, he just has not matched the talent. So it, it's going to be a timeshare, though. This is a, a battle. It, it's a formality. Both players are going to see a lot of playing time this year, with Royce Freeman being on early downs and Philip Lindsay being on passing downs and third downs and special packages, stuff like that. Either way, the Broncos are in a really good situation, having both these players hopefully healthy for a full season. All right, let's get also to starting tight end. All right, this is a situation that on the surface, it would appear that Jeff Hireman is going to kind of be penciled in as the starter, but no fan. He's a first-round pick, and he was arguably the most explosive tight end in the 2019 class. You know, I'm, I was a huge admirer of TJ Hawkinson, still am. I think he was the best overall tight end in this class. There's not a whole lot that Noah Fant can do as a receiver that TJ Hawkinson can't, except the fact that the twitch, the explosiveness. And that's just something Noah Fant brings to the table that not many tight ends in this class nor in the league can do. So if he can prove that he can handle inline blocking duties on first and second down, it wouldn't completely shock or stun me, Zach, to see him supplant Jeff Hireman as a starter, even in time for the opener. Yeah, this one is, is truly wide open to me. I mean, anything can happen, and it will be shaped by the summer, the training camp, and the preseason. Uh, but you're, you're not going to use a first-round pick on a tight end after you traded back and you, you targeted that player. He's not going to sit on the bench for very long. Talent-wise, there's no comparison between him and, and Jeff Hireman. It's all a matter of learning the playbook and earning his keep. That's what Vic Fangio said. He has to prove his worth. Once he does this preseason, once he shows he can master being the tight end one, he will be given an opportunity. I would not be surprised either, Chad, if it happens before the opener, but sometime by mid-regular season, I think he'll be atop the depth chart. The only variable is Jake Butt here. I mean, I'm not huge on his chances. I don't think he can come back from three ACL tears, but he is another healthy player. They have Fumagalli. They have Austin Fort. This is wide open right now, and we know that Scangrello is going to use a lot of two tight end packages, so they're going to use a lot of, you know, a lot of tight ends either way. But I think I'm with you. It's a matter of when, not if. Fant becomes a starter. Yeah, definitely. And the safe bet is to assume Hireman will start the season nominally as yeah. the starting tight end, but it's only a brief matter of time before Noah Fant gets that nod. Now we move on to this next one here, and I'm going to actually skip in the article and go to the last one I have listed. It's not in the article in order of importance, but on the podcast, I, I think this one is the next most important, and that is the kicker competition, okay? Because Brandon McManus is the only specialist who is under threat this summer. Of course, you got Taylor Bertolette that's in there, brought in by the team, his second stint with the Broncos. There's a reason, Zach, the Broncos are sniffing around another guy. It probably has a little something to do not only with Brandon McManus's um, inconsistencies, let's say, especially in the clutch, but also the fact that he's scheduled to earn $2.7 million in a base salary in 2019. If you can, I mean, if there's a, basically what, what I said here is the, the financial factor. If it's sixes, you know, basically in terms of the camp performance 
are you going to go with the guy that costs almost $3 million or the guy that costs just under half a million? It's it's a great point, Chad, and this is the only reason I think they're having this competition because, let's face it, McManus hasn't justified that big contract, which Denver kind of handed out a little begrudgingly a couple years ago. I mean, he had a good couple years for the team, and then he earned that big deal at the time and made him one of the highest-paid kickers, and he just hasn't followed through. He had a disastrous 2017. He rebounded kind of well in 2018, but still wasn't the same money that we knew. And McMahon, to his credit, he came in and immediately started pushing McManus. He didn't let him rest on his pass. He brought in competition. And if and like you said, like Taylor Bertolette, if he can make a fraction of what they're paying McManus, with all the free agents they have next year, Chad, all the players they want to pay, every penny counts here. I would still be surprised, ultimately, if McManus is not the kicker this year. But it's definitely within the realm of possibility that McManus, excuse me, McMahon can make that change. It's not out of the question at all. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how it shakes out and really how much of an opportunity Bertolet is given in terms of reps in the preseason. I think it's going to be a lot more fair than maybe fans are expecting at this point. I think McMahon, the special teams coordinator, is going to kind of even the slate, even the playing field, so to speak, and let the chips fall because he just hasn't been cutting the mustard, Brandon McManus. So we'll, we'll see how that one shakes out. Now, let's go back to the offensive side of the ball. We're going to well, – let's just put, put these into one conversation. you got swing tackle, okay, and you've got backup center. Why are these so important? First and foremost, swing tackle, it goes without saying that if something were to happen to Garrett Bowles or Jawan James, you got to have a guy you can count on and, and rely on to be the next man into the breach. And just a few weeks ago, honestly, I didn't really feel that confident in what the Broncos had. I mean, I basically saw Chaz Green as the number one option there. But after really examining the roster, spending more time, I'll, be, I'll admit, and this is on me, I didn't realize how accomplished Don Barkley is. Now, the Broncos have been playing Barkley, or at least during OTAs, they played Barkley at right guard while Ron Leary was, you know, licking his wounds and getting back into shape, which he's supposedly going to be ready to go for training camp. That's Leary. Don Barkley was playing right guard. But in his career, he has started 23 games at offensive tackle. Only one of them was at left tackle, while the other 22 have come at right tackle, all of which were blocking for an elite-level quarterback in Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay. So if I had to, you know, peg a dark horse to win this job, I mean, if I'm the coaches and I want someone that's I can count on, there's a there's a you know a body of work. I'm going with Don Barkley here on on the swing tech. We'll talk about the the centers here in just a second. But what are your thoughts on swing? Yeah, with with so much youth at the position and, and so much turnover, they they might want a veteran presence there. And, and Barkley does have that experience with the Packers, and he would be a good option. But I think the Broncos are going to take a page out of what they did last year, and that's cross train a lot of these linemen to play multiple spots. For instance, Chaz Green can play tackle. He can play guard. Uh, at center in a second, you have a couple guys there who can play uh, guard and center. They have um, only so many spots to go around and a lot of new moving parts and a lot of players playing at a position like Reisner, like McGovern. So that should be a telltale sign that they're going to keep maybe one fewer guy on the 53, but he can play multiple spots, just like Billy Turner did last year. He can play all over the line. So if I had to give my swing tackle dark horse right now, I, I could see them both being in it, but they picked up Chaz Green late in the process for a reason. He also has that pedigree coming from the Cowboys and, and where Ronald Leary came from, and he has that versatility where he can play guard and tackle. So that's a direction where I think Munchak will look is to have versatile guys who play all over. Fair point. And one thing, too, when I published this article and I expected this, was the obligatory responses on comments and social media that, well, don't forget Dalton Reisner. 
And while that's true, I think you can look at, if you're a coach, you know, if you're the coaches there in Denver, you can look at Dalton Reisner as a fail-safe, but you don't necessarily want him to be your first tackle, you know, replacement basically onto the field because if you do that, now you're replacing two starters right. because you're replacing either Bowles or James with 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 Reisner, and then you got to replace him with someone at left guard. Who's that going to be? So instead, you want someone who and and this is where I don't disagree with you that in those swing guys, you want to be able to have some versatility and and cross training, you know, wherewithal. But you also don't want to go too crazy with that in terms of putting too much on the on a rookie like Dalton Reisner's plate. Yeah, I agree with you there. And I would not have Reisner be that guy off the bench or be that second guy uh, in another position to be playing tackle, for instance. I would just let him stay at guard and learn guard and thrive there and not put too much on his plate. So they're going to have to keep an outside guy here. And I like both the guys on this list. I think uh, one of them will make the 53 for sure. It's just going to, you know, whoever responds to Munchak better in, in his system. Yeah. Now, the center deal, the reason this one's so important, I, mean, I think most Broncos fans realize pretty quickly after last season how valuable a competent backup center is because Matt Paradis went down in week nine, and really the Broncos' run game, it had been solid up to that point, but if it weren't for Connor McGovern and kind of the reshuffling that that whole thing necessitated, it was that's kind of where we saw the run game really hit its stride in those next three games coming out of the bye where Phillip Lindsay just went on an absolute tear. Connor McGovern was a big reason for that, going and moving over to center from right guard. Well, and the other thing that we need to talk about why it's important, the the swing center job, is the fact that Connor McGovern, unfortunately, it's a contract year. So the Broncos need to have some kind of a clarity in terms of, uh, you know, crystallized idea of what the, what the next plan is. And it's all appearances, Zach, it appears to be Sam Jones. I mean, he played really well at that position last summer, even though he dealt with a back injury in preseason. He made the 53-man roster all 16 games. He was on the active roster. So the team obviously thinks high of him as a former six-round pick. I would assume he's probably going to be the not so much grandfathered into that swing center slash interior guy role, but I think if something happened to Connor McGovern, the Broncos feel pretty confident that they can fall back on him. Even though he's inexperienced, you've got a veteran quarterback who can kind of help him with calls at the line of scrimmage and all that. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think Sam Jones will be the backup to McGovern, and he can play guard too, so another versatile guy. But another guy to keep in mind is Austin Slotman. Uh, I love saying his name. I always mispronounce it some way. But he can play guard and center also, so he has some experience in the interior, and I think he'll take the Munchak system well. Very smart player. And Reisner, you know, he, a center in a pinch, he could be moving over from guard. I would I would be more comfortable with that than him playing tackle. So they have some options there, but you add the versatility and you add the coaching together with Munchak, and they should be okay as a whole. The other guy that factors into the competition of that backup center slash swing guard is Jake Brendel. He's a fourth-year player, formerly of the Miami Dolphins. He's appeared in 21 games. I think he's got, you know, a handful of starts under his belt. So he'll factor in. There's a reason the Broncos brought him in, and uh, Sam Jones will probably, you know, that'll be his biggest competition to to earn that backup job. So that kind of rounds out the top five that we're worried about here in terms of the the key roster battles. We're going to tackle the, the remaining here in just a second. First, we'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, Zach, let's go to the other side of the ball here and look at the the competition at outside linebacker. Now, of course, we're talking about the backups here because the Broncos have, I don't even think you have to say arguably, the Broncos have the best outside linebacker duo in the NFL 
in Vaughn Miller and Bradley Chubb. However, with both Shane Ray and Shaquille Barrett departing in the open waters of free agency, they have literally nothing behind them. They, in terms of NFL sacks, behind Bradley Chubb, behind Vaughn Miller, the guy who has the most sacks in a single season is Dakota Watson, and that's only two. The most sacks he's ever gotten in a single season, Dakota Watson, even after signing that relatively sizable contract with the Niners, two sacks in a season. That's the high. And then you got Jeff Holland, who showed some promise in those final three games last year in which he was called up to the active roster, especially thinking about that Week 15 game in which he made a couple of impact plays, got a hit on Baker Mayfield. And then you got Aaron Wallace. There's there's a few other guys that factor in, including Malik Reed, who I know you like a lot, Zach. Mm-hmm. Ahmad Gooden is another undrafted rookie. And then we can't forget about the fifth rounder this year, uh, twenty or uh, Justin Holland. Excuse me. Hold on. We can't forget about this year's fifth rounder, Justin Hollins, who we don't yet know what position he's going to play, but he very well could factor into this competition for the for the first outside linebacker onto the field to to rest Von Miller or Bradley Chubb. Yeah, they, you know, they say they want to play him at ILB too, but I, I also think he'll be mostly at OLB pass rushing. And I am so, so, so excited about this group as a whole, not only to watch Von Miller and Bradley Chubb as starters in a Vic Fangio defense, but Jeff Holland, who we were both very high on last year, who was also always around the ball when he was given the opportunity, and he wasn't played a lot under Vance Joseph. And you have Justin Hollins, who, who was a productive player at Oregon, and that's your fourth guy. And then you have Malik Reed as your fifth guy, who was a priority free agent signing. He was super productive in college at Nevada, uh, a, a super uh, a fortunate uh pick up for the Broncos as an undrafted free agent. He probably should have been drafted in the fifth or sixth round. So as a whole, with Fangio being a former OLB coach, with bringing in Brandon Staley and, and Ed Donatel, I could not be more excited to see this entire group play on the field this preseason. It's probably, aside from quarterbacks, Chad, this is the group I want to see the most. A lot of question marks, but a lot of potential there, especially in tandem with the, the Vic Fangio bump that we all expect to see happen with a lot of players on this side of the football. Now, Let's move on to another big question mark besides or behind, I should say, Todd Davis behind Josie Jewell. Again, in terms of proven production in the NFL, it kind of falls off a cliff. The number one guy in terms of actual having playing some NFL snaps on defense is Joseph Jones. But even he, you know, it's pretty limited, his, his experience playing not just special teams. I'm talking defense. Last year, he made a great impact on special teams. Joe Jones did, and I wanted to see more of him on defense, and I'm hoping this time around he's going to be able to make some noise with a, a fresh set of coaching eyes, you know, over watching over this, basically. But there's also Alexander Johnson that the team, I, I, I might not quite say inexplicably, has a lot of faith in, but for a guy who spent those years out of football with that court case, they kept him on the 53-man roster last year. He made zero impact on special teams. They like him. There's a reason why they've hung on to him, kept him on the, the roster last year. Keyshawn Bieria, you got a couple of uh, undrafted rookies this year, and Joe Deneen, Josh Watson. How do you see this shaping up? Because I think at bare minimum, Zach, you know they're going to carry four off-ball linebackers. And then also the, the fly in the ointment, once again, is Justin Hollins. Well, hopefully they don't keep six again this year. Uh, I obviously will defer to Vic Fangio and his coaching and expertise. He's forgotten more about football than I will ever know. But I still believe the Broncos should have either drafted or signed an inside linebacker just for insurance uh, this offseason. I I was not too thrilled about them going into the regular season or at least training camp with Davis and Jewel as the starters. Even though I like Hollins, even though uh, Joe Jones, I know you're high on Chad, even though they like Alexander Johnson and Deneen could push as an undrafted guy, he can push and make the 53, uh, maybe a new Chris Harris Jr. from Kansas. But 
as a whole, I'm unimpressed. And Keyshawn Bieria, I think he could be cut. As a whole, this group has a lot to prove. And starting with the starters, starting with Todd Davis, who's kind of a limited two-down player, starting with Josie Jewell, who's not a three-down player, they're going to kind of just be the sum of all their parts, and they're going to rely on coaching and and, uh, and versatility to get them by here. I hope it works out. I just still think they should have bolstered the unit a little bit more than what they actually did. Yeah, and I, I think a big reason for that is that the Broncos – have a lot more faith in Jewel and Davis than, you know, those of us in media and, and obviously Maybe. in the fan base yeah. as well. And I think there's something to that that we should probably factor in a little bit more into in terms of our analysis. However, we need to see it take place on the field because Davis and Jewel both were very good at times last year, but consistency for both of them was an issue, and especially in coverage. Now, here's how I have the, the depth chart shaken out at inside linebacker. The final three guys, obviously, on this are probably not making the roster. Here's how I have it. Todd Davis, one. Josie Jewell, two. Alexander Johnson, three. Joseph Jones, four. Followed by Joe Deneen, Keyshawn Bieria, and Josh Watson. What do you think? I'm in agreement. I think they're not going to keep as many as they did last year. Obviously, Davis and Jewell are locks. And and I guess if Holland can be classified as an ILB, he's a lock, too. And Jones and Johnson will battle for that last spot. I think Deneen will make the practice squad. And Bieria, to me, will be a cut. He doesn't bring anything to the table as far as I'm concerned. And uh, he won't get by with Fangio this year as the coach where he did last year with uh, Vance Joseph. So I think they'll carry four or five, but I know the, the first four were named their locks. I just hope they can put it all together. The potential's there, Chad. It's just a lot of unproven talent coming together at once. All right, let's jump here to fourth linebacker. And again, this is another depth chart that the roster math is slightly skewed because we don't know what's going to happen with Kareem Jackson. And we might as well roll this into also the safety situation because these are the final two. But the issue here is that both Chris Harris, Bryce Callahan finished the 2018 season on injured reserve. So cornerback depth is important, and the Broncos have some options this year. Now, they're both pretty much unproven as it, as it relates to the NFL, but you've got Isaac Yadam, you got Devontae Bosby, and according to Eric Trickle, you know, he's got a, a bug in his ear in Dove Valley that says that they've been really impressed, the Broncos, with Lyndon Stevens, who's a first-year corner who went undrafted last year out of Cincinnati. He's going into his first year this year, but they've really liked what they've seen from him so far. How do you see, let's just for, for the sake of argument, categorize Kareem Jackson as a cornerback, okay, for okay. the sake of this podcast. Kareem Jackson, Chris Harris, Bryce Callahan, there's your top three how do you see the rest of that depth chart shaking out? Because I think this is a position where they probably carry five. Yeah, I would. I agree with you. That's what I was going to say. Let's keep Jackson a corner here. And in bare minimum, Yadam should be the fourth corner. And he went from starting games last year as a very raw third-round pick. And now he gets to kind of relax as the fourth cornerback. He should thrive in that role as a, as a high-round pick who the team has an investment in. He should have no problem holding this down and be a massive disappointment if someone like Bosby or uh, Lyndon Stevens surpassed him on the depth chart. That's why I think it'll shake out ultimately, and that'll be a better spot for him not to put the pressure on him and allow him to thrive there and still develop behind you know three really good corners too. The fifth, I'm a big Bosby guy. I, I like what he brings to the table. I like his size. I like his playmaking ability. And uh, to round that group out, I think that's five solid corners, Chad. It's a lot better than last year when you had you know Jamar Taylor and Tremaine Brock in that <laughs> yeah. secondary. Yeah, I'm with you on Bosby. I think that he's just... He's one of these diamonds in the rough that the Broncos were able to uncover. But I'm tapping Isaac Yadam as the dark horse here to really turn some heads. I think that he is a supremely talented player. He's, he was rough. You know, he was raw coming out last year. 
but his natural skill set, he's so physical, he's so aggressive, and it hurt him at times last year. You know, NFL quarterbacks were able to capitalize on his lack of knowledge and experience and awareness and also his extremely kind of aggressive mentality. A couple of times he got exploited, but at the same time, if Vic Fangio, if Ed Donatel can channel that in the right direction, try and get him to be a little less grabby, maybe see if they can suss some ball skills out of Isaac Yadam. The kid is extremely talented, and I love his size for playing outside. I'm not going to lie. I wasn't the biggest fan of his selection. When it was May, Chad, I was having flashbacks to Brendan Langley. But the difference is I actually see something in Yadam. I see development, and I see uh, a potential starter, actually, with the right coaching and all the stars aligned. And there's no better coaching staff to come along for him right now than Vic Fangio and Ed Donatel. Um, I, there's something to salvage for sure. I wouldn't put too much on his plate. I wouldn't expect he can be a starter or even a starting caliber player. If he can hold down the nickel-dime roll this year, that'll be good for his development going forward. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. And that's kind of how it started even for, for Chris Harris. I mean, as a rookie, he made it obviously out of camp. And he, he basically served as the fourth guy. Third guy eventually didn't take long for him to be the third corner onto the field in nickel situations. And by 2012, he was the starter opposite of Champ Bailey. And so we'll see whether or not the Yadam situation follows a similar trajectory. But he's got a lot of talent, and he's got great size, and he's, he's a hard worker too, and he's a leader. So you got the character there. you got the football IQ. So now he just needs the right coaching to put it all together. And I think this is, this is one of those stars aligning where – Vic Fangio can be mana from heaven for a guy like Adam. Now, let's move on to this last one. Again, considering Kareem Jackson a corner in our roster math, top two guys have to be considered Justin Simmons and Will Parks. Behind them, though, Zach, there's four guys who are all very deserving in their own right of consideration for this for this roster. Three of them, Sua Cravens, DeMonte Thomas, and Jamal Carter, have made it onto the Broncos 53-man roster out of camp before I guess you could say maybe Cravens doesn't qualify because, what was it, IR he started on last year in terms of making it out of camp. But at least DeMonte Thomas and Jamal Carter both at different points have made the active roster coming out of training camp. But there's also Trey Marshall. And I wrote an article about this over the holiday weekend as well, that Vic Fangio could be the best thing to happen to Trey Marshall in the NFL other than, of course, you know, being able to sign with an NFL team because the big knock on Trey Marshall – coming out of FSU, Florida State, was two things. One, he had zero ball production in college. Not a single interception, no uh, forced fumbles, and no fumble recoveries. Zero ball production as a defensive back. That was a huge red flag for NFL teams, and it's understandably why. It, It speaks to a lack of instincts. It speaks to, you know, lack of ball skills, period. The other issue, Zach, is the fact that he was not in coverage, you couldn't count on him one-on-one. Guys could get separation. However, players like Marshall, phenomenal flying downhill, a very intense and sound tackler and hitter. So he's a physical presence as a dimebacker. You put him in a zone situation where his coverage responsibilities are simplified and zones can kind of cover up for some you know, lack of ability or lack of technical proficiency. I could see a guy like Trey Marshall, because of his heart and because of his physicality, really impressing a guy like Vic Fangio. I think there's going to be a massive shakeup here, Chad. This group as a whole is so tough to predict right now. We don't even know if Kareem Jackson is going to play safety, what they're going to do, who they're going to start at where. Uh, we can assume, though, for the sake of conversation, that Simmons and Parks are locked in. 
But then I'm not a big Cravens guy. I, I think he has a lot to prove. I, I still don't think he has the maturity or the mental uh, capacity to hold up and be a productive player for this team. I'm a big DeMonte Thomas guy. And you know, honestly, Jamal Carter, before he tore his hamstring last year, he was looking good for the team also on specials. They have a ton of young talent here. And I believe Fangio is going to go with the kind of a, a curveball. He's going to keep a couple of young guys. It very, mel- very well could be Trey Marshall. I, I also think he puts some good film on the on on tape, uh, you know, on out there for the public. But I just, yep. I'm not a big Cravens guy. I don't know about you. I just, I think he'll be left off the 53. That's kind of like my bold take for this safety mm-hmm. spot when it's all said and done. Um, I don't know. I it's so it's, it's so murky right now. It's tough to predict. It's it's fair because I haven't been impressed with Cravens either since he's been a Bronco. I mean, let's face it. He's been a disappointment, especially considering what the Broncos got, gave up and the fact that he's a former second-round pick. I do maintain in terms of potential and ability that he's the – Best safety on the roster, not named Justin Simmons, okay, in terms of being a pure safety. But all the intangible aspects make him a question mark. You just don't know what to expect. I'm with you. I think the next best safety right now in terms of what we can count on today, what we know today behind Simmons and Parks is DeMonte Thomas because he's proven that he can – I mean, if you look at this, the Broncos have four dimebacker safeties, you know, three – or excuse me, four heat-seeking missiles that can step into the box and – you know, maybe run with tight ends if needed to, but mainly are guys who can chase after running backs and support the run. But the one guy who has proven so far as a Bronco that he can hold up in coverage is Demonte Thomas, and so I think that gives him a leg up in this com- in this competition. And that's my thing too. I mean, on paper, Cravens is super talented, and he can be a game changing safety. He showed glimpses of that in Washington, but he ruffled a lot of feathers there by just retiring and going through that concussion spell. And then last year, he did not handle his demotion well with Vance Joseph, so that rubbed Elway and the and the brain trust the wrong way, and it carried over into Vic Fangio, who is a total no nonsense guy. If he's going to try that with Fangio, he's going to be cut, not just shut down and inactive. So. I'm a big Demonte Thomas, and I think even guy and even Jamal Carter, when he's given a shot now healthy, he's a hard hitter. He's good on specials. He can also take uh, Craven's spot too. So it's going to be the whole preseason for this to play out before it's finalized. Well, there you have it, Broncos country. The ten biggest roster battles poised to be fought this summer in training camp. That's going to do it for today's episode of the Huddle Up Podcast. For those of you who might be wondering what happened with our our guest Seth Kaiser, who is going to join us to talk about the Kansas City Chiefs. We had a last-second scheduling conflict come up, so he's going to come back next week. So this same episode, next Tuesday, you're going to be listening to Seth Kaiser. We're going to go through and, and basically commence our series that we do every summer, Know Your Enemy. And we're going to start with the Kansas City Chiefs, who are the biggest threat, obviously. We'll uh, jump to the to the L.A. Chargers and then, of course, the Oakland Raiders as well before the regular season hits. But we're going to start with the Chiefs. That'll be next week with Seth Kaiser, who's a phenomenal, phenomenal writer and obviously a great podcaster and uh, analyst as well. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, also tomorrow you're going to get a fresh episode of Building the Broncos. I don't know what those dudes have in store for you, but I'm sure it'll be a great listen. Make sure you're following the show on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. You can find my partner, Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, at Kelberman247. Myself, at Chad and Jensen. Have a great hump day. We'll be back on Thursday with a fresh episode. Until then, for Zach Kelberman, I'm Chad Jensen. We'll talk to you soon. You've been listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.